All right, guys, welcome to the Left of Greg podcast. As always, I am Brian Marin, the moderator of the podcast. We have with us Mr. Greg Williams, who, which the podcast, of course, is affectionately named after. Uh, again, uh, today we have uh, Mr. Cody Banders uh, calling in and, and joining us. Uh, Cody, of course, a badass former Navy SEAL and um, all-around good guy. And then uh, new on the podcast today, we have Mr. Sean Clemens calling in from Michigan, uh, he's joining the podcast with us today. He's on the Arcadia Advisory Board, has worked with uh, us and Greg for a long time, a you know, friend of the program, knows a ton about human behavior, training, and everything, so he's a good addition to today's podcast. So today, our topic is actually we're going to be discussing denial and kind of what causes denial, different stages of denial, why, some different, uh, why we don't notice certain uh, prevent indicators to attack because of denial and kind of give our kind of street definition and what we what we like to teach about it and how it relates to human behavior and why it gets in the way so often and why we're so susceptible to it. So I think that's pretty much a, an intro of what we're going to discuss about denial today. So real quick, I don't think we'll go to Greg to start off. Uh, if you'd like to go over a few things and kind of discuss denial and how it relates to human behavior, pattern recognition analysis, and specifically what we're going to be talking about today, and we'll kick it off from there. All right, so, so every program that I've written has always had a section about denial because it's so strong. And I'll tell you the, the origin of, of species on this one. Uh, way back in the day, uh, Sean uh, and, and I and Shelly uh, were, were a team of a couple other people, Brian O'Curry, that uh, did some incredible uh, uh, felony stop, uh, uh, dynamic and deliberate entry, all type of training that we were given for uh, – uh, Wayne, Oakland, and Macomb Police Academies, and we're talking late 70s, early 80s. The uh, funny thing that we noticed, and then we did some research and noticed it in other places, were that no matter how we taught shooting skills, when the stakes were high, somebody popped yellow smoke, and we were in progress, the shooters, even though they were trained and fundamentally great shooters with great weapons platforms, instead of shooting 10-ring, X-ring, T-box, whatever you want to call it, we're shooting the weapon system that was portrayed on the target. So if the person had a knife in his hand, if the real person quick, had, Greg, just to just so everyone's understood, these are all uh, law enforcement professionals with training that you're discussing. Absolutely, this is law enforcement and military professionals mm-hmm. that were coming to a a, uh, a training course specifically to increase their survivability in these uh, non permissive or semi-permissive kinetic areas of opportunity. So, so pretty much, you're you're training them for those those catastrophic events that even even are almost unusual in in law enforcement a lot so really like kind of the worst of the worst absolutely even even for coppers that are listening in and and uh tier one operators almost nobody is trying to kill you but this is for that time where they are and so these high stress stakes that we created with interactive targets and humans and sesums rounds before they were called sesums and hollywood blanks and all this great training that we were doing when it came to printing groups on paper all those operators, all those tack geniuses, the, the, these you know secret squirrels and street warriors were hitting the weapon system. We'd have a very tight group on the knife or on the gun or on the club when they were chasing Frankenstein. So we started doing research about that, and it played back, continuous Mobius loop, back to denial. You look, and there's three basic phases of denial that hit all human beings. Literally, the first file folders that your limbic system comes from when you're trying to assimilate the danger around you. Number one, oh, that didn't just happen. No way 
that person doesn't have a gun. Oh my gosh, they're not driving away from me. This, this isn't turning into a pursuit. That's number one. And whatever that is in your environment, at home, with your family, at school, triage at the medical center, whatever that incident is, your brain is trying to wrap itself in a protective coating. It's trying to protect itself against this horrific event because it is so rare, it doesn't want you to just explode. So it's so, insulating real, your brain. Yeah, and, and Greg, that's almost, I, I know we're, you're talking about these catastrophic events, but that's almost, that's an exact reaction to like, you know, you, you, you're late, I'm late for work and I'm going to drive in and I walk out and the, the tire's flat. I'm like, the exactly. first thing is like, you've got to be kidding me. No way. It's funny because that's exactly what I say. No way. This is happening. happening to me and not today. And why does it, I'm in the bathroom and the phone's ringing and I can't get the phone. You're exactly right. So when we talk about left of bang thinking, bang is on this, 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 uh, uh, pendulous, uh, 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 panacea of possible events. It doesn't have to be walking in on a suicide. It can be walking in and forgetting your money when you're at the Seven Eleven. But denial is that, oh, this ain't happening to me. Then the second part of it, the second phase is when you go, well, better him than me. So you're driving on the freeway, you see a motorcycle, you know, connect with the end of a semi. And that's a horrific event. But somewhere in your heart and in your brain, and specifically in your limbic system, you look at that and you go, wow, that's horrible. I can't believe that just happened. But better him than me. Because your survival is most important to your brain case. So as horrible as that sounds, that's sometimes when we feel those effects of PTSD. Post-traumatic stress disorder comes from the fact that we just lost a very good friend, and now we feel guilty that the first thing we said is, whew, that was a close one, instead of saying, oh, my gosh, Bill, John, Terry, uh, uh, or Diane. That, that's, that, Greg, that sounds a lot like when they, they call it, I know they call it too, is the survivor's guilt. Like someone makes it through a chaotic situation, a bunch of other people died, and then, then what happens afterwards is that, man, like I, I, I feel bad. I shouldn't have made it out of there alive. And again, brain chemistry. Blame your brain. Your brain is hardwired and softwired, and it's got some freaky connections. And the idea is that what it wants to make sure is it insulates you for future events. Hey, you survived this one. You better move out smartly. You better freeze and look like a deer, or you better decide that, hey, I'm splitting because I can't fight this guy, or you better go at this person with absolutely everything that you have to do. So phase one and two are to try to get your brain case in the right place. Phase one, can't believe it's happening. Phase two, well, it did just happen, and thank God I'm not one of the victims right now. And the final phase is, what can I learn from this non-standard observation? Doesn't happen often, but right now I'm at bang. Right now I'm at ground zero. Right now I've walked in on uh, my, my, my husband, wife, or significant other in flagrante delecto with somebody, and I can't believe what's going on. And all of a sudden, all that information is, is, is right in my face, and I'm sitting there going, how can I learn from this event so I can apply those lessons in a future event. That happens at motor vehicle accidents. It happens at the uh, birth of a child when, when the, the child uh, uh, is coming out cesarean and we weren't planned for that. Any significant event in your life, you can plan on denial happening in that order with those phases. But what about, too, when guys say, like, all right, so you just said you gave the example of, uh, you know, very um, – well-experienced, well-trained law enforcement, very well-experienced, well-trained uh, military operators, tier one guys. They say that, well, 
through training, I can just push through that denial or, or certain that that denial comes. Uh, uh, no, that doesn't happen to me. I immediately react to this or no, I know how to push through that. Well, like, what would you say to that? Guys are like, well, no, I, I have the experience now. Yeah, maybe when I was a young guy and I hadn't seen that before, but, but now that denial doesn't happen to me. Without training, each situation that you encounter is going to be like a Rolodex file folder card. And when it comes up, if you haven't experienced that and you don't have the training for how to fill in that card, you may come up on a blank card. And when you come up on a blank card, you're going to stare at the sun. You're not going to do anything. Maybe you'll shoot the wrong person. So much can happen that won't happen if you get the appropriate training. I'll give you two brief examples of, of how I came into uh, uh, denial. And, and uh, it, I was training SWAT team responses, and uh, an incident occurred in California, as a matter of fact, Brian, uh, with Jim Huberty. James Huberty mm-hmm. uh, was, was at SeaWorld. He told his wife and young daughter, he said, uh, hey, I'm going to go kill people. Uh, this was the last event that we're going to spend together as a family. See ya, drove to San Ysidro and started killing people like it was a contest inside of a McDonald's. So horrific was that event, just like Adam Lanza, just like a lot of other things that we see, that they actually tore down that McDonald's. They didn't want to have that memory of, of James Huberty. James Huberty's wife said, no, not my husband, can't happen. My husband couldn't kill. James Huberty's daughter said the same thing until last year when she was interviewed and said, hey, all the clues were there. She said this to everybody that would listen. All the clues were there, and I refused to accept the clues. So denial is when, even though there's overwhelming evidence to the opposite, you don't believe that you're in the situation. Uh, I'll give you just another brief one. There was a, 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 a familicide that occurred in New Jersey. Can, can, you, just a, can you, real quick, Greg, can you define what a familicide is? I don't know yeah. if that's a familiar term. No, no, that, that's a great question. I apologize. In our world, sadly, it is. Uh, that's when a family member uh, or another person to a family uh, literally kills everybody, calls everybody in that herd, kills, uh, uh, they're actually termed family annihilators. That's a person that because of rage or to cover up another crime or, or because they don't want to be found out for, for something they've done, decides to kill everybody in the house or everybody in their own family. So in New Jersey, these two brothers uh, own two companies together. Uh, it's worth uh, uh, over $6 million annual revenues. They're both driving Porsches. They both have mm-hmm. these beautiful McMansions. Uh, cops get a call uh, to the one house. Neighbors haven't seen the kids. They're not ready for school. They go over. Four people are uh, DRT dead right there. Horrific situation. Arson fires burning the house, but it's an uh, uh, unsophisticated, uh, unorganized uh, uh, attempt at arson, so a lot of the evidence hangs by. Just a few miles away, another house is burning. Surprise, surprise, it happens to be the brother, brother. of yeah. the business partner, and it's even a more rudimentary attempt at an arson. Even faced with overwhelming evidence that the likely answer is that one brother killed the, the other brother. There was a great book written, and there was a guy named Cain and Abel. Look it up. But if you take a look at this situation, there was a lot of information that suggested that this might be a, a, a place to investigate. The wife, the attorneys, the kids said, no way could my dad kill his brother and his entire family. I'm here to tell you, that's powerful denial, and you have to get over it. Almost anything can happen. Uh, uh, Brian, you remember so, the uh, incident in, in Denver? The same thing. Guy saying I didn't do it comes out that he did it just a few weeks ago right now i know but you know uh cody and sean were both kind of you had not in the head along at certain points so i want greg i want i want to let them uh uh kind of comment in on this if they had something that kind of rang true that that 
that, uh, you know, came up when you were discussing. And then I'll circle back with another one on, on Huberty, uh, linked to that San Diego when we were there. But go ahead, uh, uh, Cody or, or Sean. Sure, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll go first and just you – know, all the great examples that, that uh, Greg has already brought up and that we study in class are great. Uh, you see it uh, specifically in the classes, especially cops that are saying, show me your hands, show me your hands, and the guy's hands are in, in plain sight and they're carrying a weapon and they're pointing it at the officer. Um, that's, that's, you know, that's the raw form of denial. This can't be happening. And sometimes it's that guy's last thought in his head. Um, one of the other ones, I, you know, in, in, a, in a larger societal sense, uh, let's, look up, let's look back at 9-11. Um, let's look at about 8 a.m. when we already had one, one plane into one building as an act of terrorism, and right. we, didn't, we didn't evacuate the other building. Why? There's no way it could happen again. again. There's no way this was terrorism. You know, there was people that wanted to evacuate, and they were told, nope, go back to work, nothing to see here. And uh, for me, that, that, you know, that, there's a big one. Sean? Yeah, I'll follow on right with, actually, I was going to talk about 9-11 because it's universal to everybody in America. We can all relate to it. But uh, talking about 9-11, after the plane had hit uh, the first tower, um, after 9-11, there was the 9-11 Commission studies. We learned through those studies that the further up uh, in the tower the people were located, the longer it took for them to actually respond. Even though a plane had hit the tower, they didn't know it was a plane. It was an explosion. There's fire. There's smoke. There's there's pandemonium. There's dead people laying everywhere. The people still didn't evacuate. You know, it didn't. It wasn't what we expected. It wasn't people who were just completely lost their minds and were hysterical. They were actually uh, milling about, collecting their things, talking to coworkers when the danger was staring them right in the face. There are 100, 200 floors in the air, and knowing that's going to take at least a half hour to get down get down those stairs. There was no action taken because they didn't have a file folder to, to understand what was going on at the time. Right? Breeze chemistry, again, Sean, that's a great point, is fighting them. And, and, and uh, uh, because of your maritime uh, subject matter expertise, uh, I, I want to throw one back at you as well, Cody. If we talk, Brian, about Mumbai, we see that Mumbai said, hey, we've had our terrorist incidents, never going to happen again. And lo and behold, uh, the next Christmas, they're back in it, actions on the objective, and people die. We can't gamble with the safety and the lives of others. And many people fight training because they say it's too expensive, we don't have the time, and guess what? It hasn't happened here. How do you want to play that plinko? How do you want to play that bingo where you're betting on it? But Mumbai occurred again, and, and, and uh, uh, Cody, you and I had a discussion about the USS Cole, mm-hmm. Aiden Harbor in Yemen. Uh, yeah. Were there any pre-event indications there that somebody could have seen or, or, or looked out for. So, so rather than me answer that question, let's let's talk about let's talk about that that specific sentry that sees this boat coming, ends up waving at it and smiling. Okay, regardless of what happened that day, regardless of the of the of the, the target selection that the terrorists did, regardless of the rehearsals they would have done, regardless of anything else happened that harbor, here's a guy who's a sentry. He's got to follow his eleven general orders if he's a good sailor. Regardless, he's got a gun and he's on a boat. So he's either his his threats are pretty limited to other sailors on his boat, guests on that boat, or or a threat coming at that boat from sea or shore. Well, he's on the sea side of the boat, and he sees from where his post is what could be the only threat coming at him, which is another vessel. And instead of, hey, there's three military age males in this boat. This boat could have explosives or worse, and it's coming my way. Instead of the the reaction of most deadly, hey. 
this thing could could harm me and my fellow sailors. It could try to sink my boat. That could be full of explosives here. He waves, thinking it's it's a boat. These guys, it's it's a boat. That's all he thinks, and he waves at it, and 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 catastrophe it, ensues. And that's that's a. I mean, that ties directly back to actually the comment you made before, and you made Greg. Well, one, uh, Cody, about the law enforcement. Uh, hey, show me your hands. Show me your hands. And what denial means to people, and and why we get in in, in that loop. And you see other, you know, uh, you not to pick on law enforcement, but they have so many videos available. So it's, it's easy to play it back and go where they get in that loop where I was taught, Hey, show me your hands. Or I was taught this escalation of force. And then during training, that person complied. And then when they don't, all of a sudden they don't have that file folder. They, they don't know what to do. And, it, and I think it's good to, to bring it up. Uh, and I know you can talk about it more, Greg, about why that happens. And that denial is, is it's, you know, uh, psychology would just say it. That's a defense mechanism, right? You're, you're, you're going, your brain is trying to, to what, you know, defend uh, against what it is you're actually seeing. It's trying to keep you safe and it ends up doing exactly the opposite. Yeah. yeah and, and I want to three quick points, Brian, and you're spot on. First of all, uh, Cody never uh, uh, intended to say that this person's fault, listen, that would have been me without training. Mm-hmm. I would have failed. Yep. So any human before, uh, performance failure comes from improper training and putting that person out in front of somebody else. Look, uh, uh, if, if we want to uh, show blame for the, the USS Cole, uh, uh, Aiden Harbor, Yemen, we can go all the way to every agency. Guess mm-hmm. what? Somebody was asleep at the wheel and something happens. We missed all these signals. So we're not trying to point blame. And, and the second part of that is to, to, to uh, uh, talk to you, Brian, about let me see your hands. Uh, there's a famous incident that occurred just a few years ago. I believe it was at a Walmart. Uh, if, if I'm wrong, it was a Walmart-like store where the security guards, an off-duty copper, comes up to a shoplifter and literally says what he's been trained to do over and over ad nauseum. He says, let me see your hands. And the guy says, sure, pulls out the box cutter and stabs him in his jugular, and he bleeds out before the ambulance gets there. We fail to anticipate danger because we don't have a plan, and we fail to act on the plan because we haven't been trained in an appropriate methodology. You know, right now, I'm poking people in the eye because they're saying, hey, I've had my training. Yeah, but if you haven't trained the brain, and if you don't engage this before you engage this, you need some more training. And, no. and I want to go to Sean real quick, Brian. Yeah. And, Sean, we were on a caper. I don't know if, how much uh, legally I can speak about it, but uh, it was a homicide caper on uh, Gene Street. If you remember, the uh, young female uh, from the Marigold Festival showed up missing. And this is hard, everybody, because uh, Sean's a, a, a traumatic brain injury survivor, and he also has PTSD. So this is like me having him uh, a, a example what blue smells like. But, uh, Sean, tell you probably remember the incident. You remember everybody stacked at the door to make entry into the house because somebody brought a human head, a decapitated head, to the front desk and said, hey, the rest is in the, uh, in the uh, kitchen on Gene Street, if you remember that, Sean. Uh, pandemonium is a great word for it because when they entered the house with the search warrant, they expected all the killers to be gone. What, what was the truth, Sean? What waited for him right inside the door? There he was, waiting for him. Standing there, answering the door. The two key players that did the dismemberment of this young female were standing there. They were actually opening the door because they didn't know they had been found out. If you could have seen the faces of those coppers, trained, multiple homicides, been in shooting wars, and still everybody went cha-ching, no sale. That's denial. 
Yeah, no, I, and I think it, you brought up a, a couple of good points there, there too, Greg. And one, when you said train the brain, so, if, you know, you said, you know, I better train this pointing to your prefrontal cortex uh, before I ever train this, my trigger finger. And, and so much of that is missed. And I, I still experience that too. with some of the other training that, that I'm involved in is that, hey, you know, guys have gotten better at like, hey, shooting and coming up with different drills and moving around and actually learning the physiology and the psychology behind it and doing a great job of, of getting people better. But but there's still no thought behind, well, well, what do I shoot? When do I shoot? How do I do it? What, when do I make to that decision? Now, once the decision's made, hell yeah, we've gotten a lot faster. We can shoot better. We can shoot straighter. We can run around. We can do all this stuff because guys have developed these techniques. But, but there's still nothing with, with where you engage that brain and go, well, well, this is a proper shoot, no shoot scenario. And people forget, I think, that when, especially when, when it comes to shooting just because it came up, is when you're on a range, you're on a flat range shooting, no matter how interactive you get, no matter how many targets you put out, no matter what you put out there, that's, that's part task training. That's not the event. That's one, one small part of an entire event that will happen. And we get so wrapped around that one event because it's fun and it's exciting. We get to shoot them up. But, but we forget about everything that comes before and after that and how to actually do that proper interactive training. And, and uh, uh, to bounce back to Sean for a second, Sean, you sent me a great article to read a couple of days ago about a, a, a search in a jail. Do you remember that article at all? Yes. Now, do you remember what they uncovered on that search? Yeah, it was a, it was a uh, semi-automatic handgun. Okay. In a so jail? you have a semi-automatic handgun that made it to the jail that was concealed between the buttocks of a suspect. Denial. Was, Go ahead, right. Sean. Well, and just and if we could bring it back, just to kind of back the back the reel up a little bit, uh, uh, the initial officers that made the arrest had found a weapon, a handgun on the, the arrestee, so they were should have been alerted right there that there was a handgun present. We'd better look for another weapon, an edge weapon, any other weapon, and make sure we search him well before we bring him into the facility. Rather than tag, you're it. I found a gun. Let's take this guy in for his felony. And Sean, the reason I picked on you on this one at an agency where you worked as a law enforcement professional, uh, a decorated veteran on the streets, the building that you worked was named after a fallen law enforcement officer that was killed in the jail when he went up to conduct an interview on a person that had been searched on the road, had been searched by the transit, uh, transport team, and been searched by the jail personnel. And the detective walked in without his weapon, and the suspect pulled his weapon out of the same point of contact and, and shot him, and then shot himself. Uh, uh, this can be prevented. The reason we're so passionate, the reason we take it so serious, uh, uh, I know we have a little bit of gallows humor once in a while, but that's only intended to show how grave these situations are, and how passionate we are that we can do something about them. Yeah, so, uh, and, and I, uh, I forgot to, uh, to welcome you, Sean, too, when, when Greg said, uh, you know, you're the TBI PTSD, so I start to say, what, you know, welcome to the club, we're all, we're all, we're all members, we're all members. This, is, so, this actually should be called right, the yeah, Island of Misfit Toys here, yeah. Yeah, ab- absolutely, so it's the same thing, but, but I think that, that being said is that, um, you know, we're, because of different capacities, different uh, roles that we have all played. One, you know, everyone here is, we've all skinned their knees. We've all learned the hard way and then gone, well, wait a minute. What is it that we're doing here that we can fix? And what got me was everything back to, well, well just like you said, Greg, well, well, what's up here? Why, why do these things keep happening? Why do these patterns of behavior continue to repeat? And, 
what you do find out is that just like we're talking about right now, specifically denial, this is hardwired. So, so we actually have to, we don't have an ability to learn it on our own. We have to learn things the hard way, but, but I think we've done enough of that to now where we can pass down that knowledge and say, Oh, look, here's the psychology. Here's the physiology behind it. Here's the why here's the, so what, here's how we push through that denial. Cause it, that, and, and it, once again, with, with the, the, the law enforcement analogy thing too, it's, is we get in those loops. We get in that, that, Oh, this is how I've done it. This I've done a hundred traffic stops this way. This is how they've always gone. So I'm building a pattern of behavior where I'm expecting likely outcomes. So if I don't ever plan for that other outcome, I stay in that denial phase. Whether you like it or hate it, there's a green beret that's maybe or may not be charged, may go to prison for the rest of his life for a homicide. Everybody knows that caper. It's, it's in the news right now. Pay attention to the news. But read below that story, this former tip-of-the-spear warrior, do you think he ever thought for a second that the actions that he did were illegal, immoral, or unethical? He had no idea that he had done wrong. So when he was speaking about it, when he was giving the example, he was in denial because he had the mask, he had the veil. You know, uh, Saul on the road to Damascus, we've got to have those scales fall from our eyes. Why? Because we get into the loop of repetitive behavior because my brain's lazy and it doesn't want to pay a lot of attention. So we're likely to look and discuss something away. Oh, that's not a robbery. He must just know her. Oh, he's not choking or stabbing that woman. That's just a hug. That wasn't a scream. That was a car backfire. You hear it every day, and that's the beginning of of the story that goes, and then in the news this happened. We can cut that down by giving people gift of time and distance by letting them understand that denial will occur. And no matter how well you're trained, it's coming. So your training better have a component of denial and overcoming denial. I've, I've got a, I've got a, a quick uh, anecdotal one. Uh, I was with my a, a former step-father-in-law, we'll call him. We just left the gun range, and uh, we're in a small town south of Texas, or south of Dallas, Texas, so we're on our way home. Uh, it's kind of right at dusk, and everyone, you know, especially the law enforcement guys on the call, uh, recognize how how uh, sporty things can get right when that sun starts to go down so we get bumped at a red light and uh he hops out of the car immediately sees four uh behind him in the car uh runs right up to him what are you guys doing oh you smell like alcohol what are you doing you hit my truck what's going on i i kind of take a wrap off and stay where i'm at and notice uh, a car pulls right behind him and it's a suburban <laughs> with one window down and it's a driver and he's looking right at me uh i can't see anybody else in the car um and the guys in the back seat or in the, in the car behind us that hit us, their eyes are on the Suburban. His, uh, my ex-stepfather-in-law's eyes are on them because he's mad that there's, you know, four drunk guys and they just hit my car. And he's probably a little bit of a racist, so he's upset that they're not, they're not white. So that's his, his oodle loop is they hit my truck, they're drunk, they shouldn't be driving like this. I'm fresh out of SEAL training, got a little bit of a platoon work up under my belt, so I'm starting to kind of see this thing unveiled. I've got a pistol on me, and we just got done from the range, so I'm kind of primed for it. And I'm locked eyes with the driver of the car behind uh, my you know, ex-father-in-law step guy. And all of a sudden, I, it, I, it, it kind of all starts to click to me that, hey, this, this bump here has nothing to do with what's about to happen if I, if I vacate this truck. Three guys are going to pour out of this. They may or may not be armed. We may or may not survive, but this truck is going to leave, and it's not going to leave with us. And so I, I stay locked on to the driver that's obviously trying to read whether I'm going to leave this truck or not. I get, we'll call him Andy, back in the truck. 
And I say, all right, are you ready? He said, yeah, the truck's fine. Let's get out of here. I said, cool. So I keep my hand on my gun, get in the car, and we drive away. As we drive away, we've got green arrows everywhere, green for the left, green for the right, green straight ahead. And what do you think both cars do behind us? They sit through a green light. <laughs> and I try to break it down for this fella, and I say, hey, we almost got carjacked. Yep. No, no way. That was Waxahachie, Waxahachie Texas. Couldn't happen. Well, what do you think about the suburban behind you? What suburban? Why do you think those four guys didn't get out of the car when you're being aggressive to them? Well, I don't know. They were probably scared of me. There's there's a classic yeah. case where I got to see it unfold, and I don't I don't realize it until I meet Greg. You know, maybe a year later before I'm getting ready to go to the show. That hey, the why didn't he? Why didn't why didn't any of that compute to him? Because there's no way he's thinking carjacking. He's thinking oh. Drunk guys hit my truck. But, but Butch, you, you also touched on something I, I want to circle back to. Your ego system is very fragile, meaning as a human. All of our ego systems are very fragile. So for me to say I'm lost to Shelly, for me to say <laughs> get it up on GPS, we should have been there an hour ago, it's impossible. When we went down to do a, a border hunter and I'm par- partially in, in Mazatlan, Mexico, when I should have stopped in Texas, <laughs> yeah. she's glaring at me going, when? She knows that, right? I can't tell you that I messed up. It's hard for me. I, as a parent, I can't tell you my, my child is, a, is a, a family annihilator, is a killer. So I have to come up with some alternative. Uh, I sent you the Siddiqui homicide for review, Cody. And in that one, the daughter's still going on the lecture tour, even though all the evidence is in, and saying, no, couldn't have been my father. Somebody must have put him up to it. Denial is strong. It's horribly strong. And you have to be stronger. You have to be mentally tougher uh, or it's going to hit you. And, Brian, one thing, please touch on, too. All of you guys have, have survived firefights. The first firefight, did you even know you were being shot at? I mean, that's an important standard, too, right, Brian? Yeah. Well, that, that's that whole non-standard observation that, you know, you know, what my first experiences in combat were, I, you know, I didn't didn't have a, a, a whole ton of training. It was during the height of things and we were getting pushed over there pretty quick. So so I didn't have any of those experiences and said the the very first ones I had were extremely horrific. So, so that was my baseline that, but that, but then that being said, that being my normal, that being my baseline, then, then it helped with everything else after that. But that was a, that was a rough, rough skin of the knees, uh, uh, bleeding of the ears type incident, uh, where all those things started. But, you know, you keep talking about, uh, training the brain and denial and how strong it is, how we can't avoid it. Well, what can we do? That would be the, that would be the next step. Is like, well, 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 what can I do to mitigate this? How do I get this? You keep talking about file folders and experiences. Yep. So, so Cody had a great one. Well, I had some training. I knew some. I I saw things from this perspective, which was completely different than than this Andy's perspective of what he saw. So, so even if you left that scene and you said, all right, here, what? Tell me what happened. His story would be so completely different than what your story is that that two people listening would be like, you guys weren't in the same vehicle, you weren't in the same Precisely. spot. These are two completely mm-hmm. different experiences. Mm-hmm. So 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 how do we get through that? How do we become that that version where Cody is going, hey, wait a minute, there's something bigger going on here, versus being the guy right there going, hey, you know, uh, I, I don't see any of this happening. How does that work? How do I get those file folders? So so Brian, I'll put you on a spot very briefly. Uh, uh, compare Cody's story to one that we heard also in Texas, nothing to bash Texas, but just to put you in the, the frame of mind of, of where it was, where a Silver Star winner on a motorcycle had virtually the identical situation occur to him, 
And when he got out of that situation, he had to turn to his friend and say, we were almost killed. And his friend was completely unaware. I'll go to Sean Clemens. Sean Clemens, you remember a, an incredible copper we used to work with, uh, call sign Kevin 11. That'll be close enough for the legal purposes because he spent much of his shift in uh, uh, a place called 7-Eleven, and that's where the, the big gulp coffee uh, uh, fueled the coppers back then. Uh, Chantel, you'll remember after a protracted pursuit uh, and, and a shooting at, at uh, the end of a 180 feet of wrapped-up fencing on midnight shift, uh, there was a brief shootout, but intense shootout. I believe the suspect was hit 13 times, and he lived, uh, showed up for his arraignment in the morning. But all the responding coppers had done so many of these capers and had been involved in other shootings, but nobody had put in that this armed robber left the scene and shot it out with the cops. It was, it was com- completely unknown at that time for this type of robbery to end up in a pursuit with a shooting for those young coppers on the scene. So everybody showed up, and nobody even had their weapons drawn. Nobody even called for, for fire. Nobody was given first aid. Uh, Sean, you remember the incident. Why do you think that was? Why Do you think it was just the training and education? What, what, what do you feel? Uh, well, the training, you can have all the training and education, um, but if we don't practice what we've, what we've instilled in their brain, if it's not practiced and sharpened on a daily basis, it's useless to us. And to kind of bounce back to the – go ahead, go ahead Greg. No, no, that's exactly the point that I want to make for Brian, but please go ahead. No, I was just going to follow up and say we don't all have to uh, nearly be carjacked, and we don't all nearly have to be in, into a gunfight to take those experiences, that wealth of knowledge that's out there, and have that dumped into our brains. We don't have to, we don't have to train every single incident that everybody's ever gone through. We can do that in peacetime and uh, in controlled conditions and still have the same effect within the brain. And maybe you can, can kind of follow on to that. I can unpack Sean's file folders. I can take his experiences. Then I can take a plethora of similar experiences and from that dilute that down to a scenario. From that training scenario with the the right part of uh, small group uh, discussion, seminar style application, uh, part task training, practical application, and then Mobius Loop, do it again and again after the evaluation. I can make your brain assume through storytelling, that's the the simple word for it, that you experienced it too, that you were there too. As a matter of fact, think if you've ever been in a relationship and that relationship ended, and now you're in a new relationship, and and I've done it, I'm sure you've done it too, where you look at your significant other and you go, do you remember that time that we were in Cancun or here or there or the great restaurant or we were on that ride from Cedar Point, and we had that wonderful time. And your spouse straightens you out and goes, that wasn't me. That wasn't Did me. Did that ever happen to you? One, that's denial, baby. That's, that's forefront denial. The second thing is you can train through that. You can survive through that and impart that knowledge, impart that memory on other human beings. So if you're an instructor, you have to have a cognition component and a metacognition component in your training. If you don't hire somebody that's good at because you can't just say, I'm a SME. You can't self-dedicate yourself. Um, if you're a shooter or a looter, uh, we had the range in, in uh, Avon, the, the, the edge course up there for the, the coppers before the Olympics, uh, SWAT team training. And uh, during that, they had to do the duffel bag drag where they drugged the, the injured, uh, uh, it was 185 pounds or whatever the dummy was. They had to shoot from the vehicle. They had to shoot through the windshield of a vehicle, through the door, different positions of cover. They had to throw their ammunition magazine to the other copper that had to load it and the other SWAT team member. And, and the FBI SWATs were on, on, on scene for the training. We, we've, we've done that a lot. 
and, and meaning that, that uh, whether we trained at the FBI National Academy or the feds came down to our training on Border Hunter, the idea was that when we make it polyphasic skills, because your brain can't, you're, you can't drive and smoke and drink your Slurpee and adjust the radio and text message. You're killing people, okay? What we do is we take that back a little, and we do three things that you can do very well. And if you can do those three things in these four or five scenarios that we rehearse over and over, and then you take them home and practice, it'll work in combat, it'll work on an airplane, it'll work in a hospital emergency room, it'll work at your kid's school. That's what I'm saying. Hey, and that was, uh, I think that's a that's a a good spot there to kind of wrap that up and, and I'll let you guys uh, uh, comment here. But one of the things I always say too, I, I do it to myself and I tell other people is every morning, you know, when I'm brushing my teeth, you know, how do I get through denial? How do I see this stuff for it? Every morning when I brush my teeth, now it doesn't have to be this serious, but I say to myself, Hey, someone may try to kill you today. Not it's going to happen. Not, Hey, today's the day. Hey, this is all it is is something like that. So maybe the average person just goes, Hey, you know what? Someone may try to hurt you today. Someone may try to hurt your child today. All that does is maybe gets in there, you know, wakes up your brain a little bit. That limbic system helps sense your environment to go, hey, you know what? It could happen to be. It's unlikely, uh, maybe even highly unlikely, but it can happen. So just having that little bit of that, that cognitive edge can help avoid this situation. So I'll, I'll, I'll go to uh, uh, Cody and, and Sean, too, if you guys have anything else to add here. I wanted to, to double tap what Greg said that nothing that we've talked about, we're not, there's no, someone in denial doesn't need to be blamed for, you know, the horrific, ha- you know, action that happened to him. If, if me and, you know, Andrew would have got uh, carjacked that day, no one would have blamed us. We were, right. we were, we were doing the normal human response to a baseline of somebody that's never been, uh, you know, carjacked at gunpoint and walks a hatchet at dusk. Um, but the other thing that I'd like to say is, is, you know, there's, there's, you don't give yourself the chance until you open up yourself to the possibility mentally to cognitively think about those things. Uh, Brian looking at himself in the mirror uh, like he probably did in Iraq after his first gunfight and saying, hey, today might be the day. Yep. Yeah, the big blue bayou may be coming for me. But if, if you can't get yourself in that frame of mind, a.k.a. if you're too worried about Kim Kardashian's ass or the stock market, then mm-hmm. really, you really put yourself at a disadvantage um, when you're thinking about or when we're discussing, hey, how, how capable can I be? Because you could do all the root and toot and shoot and hoot and frogman stuff in the world, but if you don't have the, if you have the physical still but not the mindset to, um, to, to be aware of your surroundings and to, and to think through most likely and most deadly courses of action with the situation that's unfolding in front of you, how, how much more to disadvantage are we when, when especially thinking about denial? Amen. It's a great point, Cody. Sean, you want to, any, any closing comments? Butch summed it up there. I think it, it's a mindset. You know, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's a, above, it's, a, it's between the ears. That's where it's resolved. Recognize that denial is out there. It happens. Uh, there's, you know, each day we can watch videos upon videos and read news articles upon news articles. It happens every day, everywhere, but it doesn't have to continue. And the more we watch these and the more untrained people watch those, it reinforces that same behavior. We're still talking about, to bring it full circle, Greg, where you started this, with the yep. shooting of weapons. I watched yep. a video a couple months ago in Houston, in your, your neck of the woods down there in Texas. Officer pulled up. Guy was walking around with a handgun outside of a gas station. What's the officer do? Shot the handgun right, right out of the guy's hand. And so what's the news reinforce? That was great shooting, Tex. It, and it wasn't about his great shooting. He was so focused, locked on that handgun, 
he couldn't get out of he couldn't get out of the denial. So we all need to take a lesson and step back from the videos and kind of absorb a little bit and and be in the the mental game a little bit, uh, like Cody said. You know, re- realize that it is a mental game that we can defeat denial through the proper training repetition. For sure, something that I'm sure Greg's chomping at the bit for too. Uh, that I, you know, I learned from Greg. Um, if, if that first denial takes takes a, a root, then you're setting yourself up for about the next three to five worst things that could possibly happen to you in a situation where you need all of this and all of this to work, um, you know, which I'm sure we can cover on, on later podcasts. But that, that denial, it's like the first step you don't see when you're falling down the stairs. Yeah, one, one saved round, Brian, if I might, and, and it speaks directly to everything that everybody's talking about. Almost no one is trying to kill you. You got a better chance of, of, of falling through the ice on a fishing expedition than being involved in a terror attack. But somebody does it just like those big lotteries. You don't have much of a chance, but somebody's always winning them. Mm -hmm. So you don't want to be the one when Plinko falls in your bucket. You don't want to be the one that's unprepared. So take training seriously, get yourself trained. Uh, uh, The other part of that is with the appropriate amount of training, you shouldn't be shaming anybody. Uh, We've all seen these sites. We've seen it in the newspaper. Why didn't somebody do it? Why didn't somebody do it? Hey, dude, they call them accidents for a reason. And and, and, and the non-standard file folders. I don't want to be the parent that can't lift 500 pounds and doesn't own a gun and think that I can't take an active role in my kid's safety at school. That's just not it. Cognition, overmatch, cognitive overmatch uh, is a possibility. So it doesn't matter if you're a single mom, and it doesn't matter if you live in the inner city or if you're a cake eater and you live in a place where you've got a platinum spoon in your mouth. Training for the real event is something that you can do to make you smarter and faster and stronger and harder to kill. Tell them how to get to the website, Brian. Yep, uh, guys, uh, that'll that'll be it for this. I appreciate you guys coming out. If anyone, of course, wants more information, uh, ArcadiaCognorati.com. Uh, I'll put the link up. And then, of course, you guys always, the the, the Left of Greg podcast, uh, I can see them on that website or listen to them on that website or watch them uh, on YouTube. So thank you guys for joining us, Sean, Cody. Uh, thanks a lot, guys, for, for your time. Uh, Mr. Greg, Sean. Greg, thanks again as always, and uh, it, you know I think the, that'll be it for today. So thanks a lot, guys. Thanks everyone. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Glad to be here.